Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to Season 3 of Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit. Leadership belongs to all of us. It's not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. You are going to be in for a great treat today. I have a fabulous guest on my show. This female entrepreneur grew a business to over 1,000 staff with over 55 million pounds in sales. She has won significant profitable accounts such as The Body Shop, Magnet, and Next. Rebecca Jenkins has taken this experience and worked with business owners and executives to unlock business growth by gaining growing, and retaining ideal clients. She has created the Vital Method, which we're going to talk about. And scaling a business to her is a challenge. And even though she says it may not go according to your plan, we have to make sacrifices. We have to work hard. And things can go wrong. From her experience with working with many businesses that she works with, this is something that she takes to heart. I have a amazing, and I'm going to call her powerful because I think she is, entrepreneur. We are traveling across the pond, as my Nana used to say, to England, to Bristol. And I had the pleasure of meeting Rebecca Jenkins on LinkedIn. We started messaging back and forth and built a relationship And one of the things that I love about our relationship is we really enjoy each other's content and posts and talking about businesses. And like I've said previously, our business sector is important, but at the end of the day, we're all in the people business. So we share commonality and what I call seasons and cycles. And we often have a laugh and it's just nice to have someone like that to banter back and forth, even though we're in two different countries. So Rebecca, welcome to the show. Oh, Deb, thank you so much. It's been, it's amazing, isn't it? How you can build a relationship virtually. Uh, my, my children have always told me it was possible. I never really believed it until we had lockdown. And, and it's funny because there's many people I've met similar to you. And after a few sessions on Zoom, whether we're having a coffee or just a chat or talking about a business challenge or something exciting going on to celebrate, there's this nuance or feeling, and I know I feel this with you, is we've only chatted a few times and we've joked and said that we felt like we knew each other forever. Yes, that's very true, Deb. And I think there's also this sense of reciprocity. And I know that you would help me out and I would definitely help you out. You know, it's that sense of, well, I don't know, a kindred spirit perhaps. Absolutely. So I'm going to I'm gonna uh, let you tell your story, but I'll tell you why. We decided for season three that I can read your bio and I can tell everyone how fabulous you are, but I think there's more merit and 
there's more opportunity for the listeners to enjoy when they hear your bio, which is really your leadership journey and story. So give us a little bit of background on who Rebecca is and how Arjen came to be. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to start a little way back. I am going to start with being at technical college and not quite sure what I wanted to do, um, not having necessarily a clear direction. And then having this most amazing job working with Holiday Inns um, in the UK and working on their front desk and uh, being a kind of working a shift leader. Loved it, loved meeting people. But I knew that wasn't my kind of end goal. I wasn't quite sure what my end goal was. And then I decided to take my HGV truck driving lesson. So huge goods vehicle, heavy goods vehicle, I think that stands for actually. Um, So I took that and I went driving as a truck driver and worked my way through the business and became the MD. Now, let me be really clear about this because my dad started the business and I said, I would never work for him if he was the last employer on earth. And he said, hey, Rebecca, I'd never employ you if you were the last employee. And we got to a stage where my dad wanted to retire and we we sort of struck a deal. And I took the, the business on and uh, grew it to a 55 million revenue business. And we had about a thousand employees. And oh my goodness, isn't having your own business the best personal development experience you could ever have in life? And from that experience, I learned so much about leadership, particularly around having a very heart-centered leadership approach. And I'm sure we'll bring out some of the stories of the impact, the vulnerabilities that I had to share because I thought a leader had to know it all. Of course, you're leading a business. You've got to have all the answers. Well, how wrong was that? (laughs) I learned some very valuable lessons that that was the wrong way to think. So growing the business, loved every minute of it. I mean, of course, there are hard times when you grow a business of that size. And those challenges kind of build your resilience. Anyway, to cut the long story short, Deb, we went on to sell the business, sold it to a FTSE 250 company in the UK and became their sales director. Lots of things learned from working in a really massive organization who actually were one of my competitors. And I learned so much from that. But in growing a business as a logistics company, we won some massive accounts that others wanted to win. It's a highly competitive industry. We never competed on price. And when I exited the business, I realized that that was a skill that many people wanted to grow their businesses, but didn't know how to to win those kind of tier one clients and weren't strong on the sales front. And so I then decided after selling the business, working in that much larger organization for a while, that it was time to start over, but help businesses from that experience to uh, to grow their businesses. And then that's how our gem was formed. 
Sorry, that took a bit of a long time. No, I love it. I love it because, you know, you talked about the good, the bad, the indifferent, the challenges of family businesses, which are hard. And it's a nice segue into my first leadership question. I love what you said that you never competed on price. But you have such a great story that you share. We've talked about it. It's on your LinkedIn. And I'd love for you to talk about the body shop story. So in in context, and to put it in a question, you would bid on some fairly big accounts. And the body shop is known worldwide. It's one of my favorite stores. And talk about the excitement of landing the account, but then the challenges that followed and and how did you navigate that? Well, perhaps I should just start with, we've had a list of businesses that we would love to do business with. And there were a number of reasons such as their values. We love their values. We love what they stood for. They were growing. They had a passion about them. So, you know, that's always been important to me. And the body shop was one of those top companies. In fact, it was led by the late Dame Anita Roddick. And I just thought she was amazing. She was so ahead of her time. She believed in the environment, sustainability, not testing products on on animals. I mean, she didn't believe in this kind of ideal form of beauty. You know, she just was so different and it was refreshing. And oh my goodness, I wanted that account. You know, we were going to win that account, come what may. So... It spent. It took quite a bit of time to um, to get to the place of uh, of winning it, and, and in a way, that's quite an interesting story because we spent time getting to know the body shop in detail. I mean, if I there's a program in the UK, it used to be on called uh, Mastermind, and you had a specialist topic. And if I'd been on that program and my specialist topic was body shop, I know I would have got full marks because I knew them inside out more than perhaps they knew themselves. And in getting to know them so well, when the opportunity came to actually be invited to tender for their distribution, I I jumped with joy. Here's our moment. But then they said, well, we're also going to go out to a number of other companies. And I thought, oh my goodness, those companies are much bigger than ours. How are we ever going to compete with them? They've got bigger pockets, uh, deeper pockets. They've got more depots, more locations etc, etc. So how are we going to beat them? But we did, for the long story short. And after 12 months of having that contract and hitting every single key performance indicator you could imagine possible, I was going to a meeting with them in January. We'd got them through Christmas and you could imagine the amount of products you've got to sell during that time. And we just delivered on all of those and met every store delivery and every new opening and every ham- every Christmas hamper was delivered. So I'm going to a meeting in January for this massive pass on the back with the team to say, wow, you've done an amazing job. We're over the moon. Well done. And as we walked into the meeting, I really sensed something was off. They weren't quite as friendly as they were. It's a little bit more reserved. And they said, yeah, well done. We're really pleased with all of those things that you've achieved. But hey, Rebecca, you're boring. <laughs> I thought this was a joke. I said, what do you mean? We're boring. This no, no, no. We, you're boring and we really can't explain what it is. I said, come on. What do you mean? 
they said, we'd like you to go away and think about it. You come back to us in a couple of weeks, but if you don't sort this out, we are not going to continue working together. And I remember, Deb, I said something so ridiculous that just, hey, we've got like a three-year commitment. What do you mean? And they said, if you think you'll have to depend on the contract, Rebecca, think again. And uh, off we went. And I was completely, I just didn't, I didn't know what, what to think. What did they mean? What do we need to do? We've done everything right. What could they possibly be thinking of? And, you know, our competitors would have pounced on that opportunity. They would, <laughs> they would have been circulating to win it, you know. So went back to base and this was a moment of truth for me that I had to admit to my team, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any answers. And this was me showing a big vulnerability, my prized account, the one that I really wanted to get, that we'd won and we were over the moon with. And now I was on the precipice of losing it. And I had no answers. Hardest three words for a leader, owner, CEO, entrepreneur to say, yet it opens up the bandwidth for opportunity for the team to, to have your back. But like you said, things can change. We say, we say this in Canada, at least I do. I heard this from my grandma. Things can change on a dime. So we can never allow ourselves to be open for complacency. Well, you are, you're absolutely right there. And that was a massive learning in so many respects. The good news is that we kept that contract for 15 years. And we did something very special that enabled us to do that. And when we applied those principles to other clients and other prospects, the business grew even faster because we had nailed something like a secret sauce in a way uh, that enabled us to, and I mean, I do this with other companies now and show them what it is to do. And they also get, you know, get great clients as a result. So although it felt pretty damn difficult at the time, I don't know you, uh, how you feel about this debt, but I always think I build my resilience in tough times and I learn so much more from them. So although I didn't say so at the time, I now say, bring on the challenge. Let's take the harder route because there's so much more learning in it. One of my favorite sayings that I've developed from being an entrepreneur is when we're in the valley, growth always comes from that valley. Yeah. Whether it's a pivot, a barrier, a U-turn, and leaning into your team with that vulnerability and the magic that happened in that. So even though it feels a little uncomfortable, Again, the old cliche, when we take that one little step out of the comfort zone into discomfort, that's when magic and everything just comes together. I love that story. Every time I, I go to the, uh, to the mall, which isn't often, and I see the body shop, I, I have that association with you now. <laughs> okay, my second question has permanent residency on the show. It's, it's my favorite of all the questions. I've asked over 230 leaders across the globe this question. Laughter is welcome. What imperfections does Rebecca bring to her heart-centered leadership? Well, I'm sure there are many, but the one that I'm working on and continues to be work in progress for me 
is knowing when enough is enough. And for me, there's this kind of drive in me to always try and do better. Be better, do better. I don't think it's being a perfectionist. It's not that. It's more this internal drive to, I don't know, to be the best that I can be, to be better. And sometimes, and I am working on this, I just think, God, enough is enough. You have done enough. You don't need to keep doing this. And you know, when you read posts on LinkedIn about slowing down and I almost think, really, I don't quite know how to do that because I'm always striving to achieve more. So I am really working on this. I think everybody has a professional and a and a personal goal to do more. I think the challenge is finding a balance. And I don't like that word. I'd rather say integration. And But when we get a good idea, we want to act on it. And that's just part of being an entrepreneur. So I think a lot of people will definitely resonate with you that they feel the same. I'm... I can join you in saying that. And I think when we're a little bit better than we were yesterday, that's a great goal. All right. My third question is a business question. You talk a lot about your vital method. How did that come to fruition? And what can you share with our listeners about the creation and the delivery of the vital method? Oh, thank you, Deb, for that. I mean, we've touched on it in a way because it really emanated from that experience with the body shop. It made me appreciate that knowing so much about the body shop before we had the opportunity to pitch gave me insights that enabled us to win the, win the opportunity. And much bigger competitors could have got those insights and lead with them, but chose not to. And this is a message that I love to share with smaller businesses as well as larger ones, but particularly smaller businesses that want to step up and win some of those tier one accounts. Lead with insights and you have every opportunity to, to win those larger, larger clients. So the V in vital stands for vision and the I stands for insight. So we collect insights over a number of different areas. And then the other big learning from the body shop was in having that information, what can you do to create a transformation for your client? And when we nearly lost it, it was because, nearly lost the body shop contract, it was because we had stopped doing that. We were no longer creating a transformation for their business. So it's an ongoing process. It's a bit like getting fit. You can't just get fit once and for all. You have to keep doing it. And this is a great way not only to secure a big account, but also to retain it. And as I mentioned, Body Shop, we retained for, for over 15 years. So that's part of the, the vital process. Create the vision, get the insights, create a transformation. And then exactly how you apply that to engage with C-suite executives and then how to lead them. So you have to lead your prospects and need your clients through the process. I I love the word and I love the acronym and I love that it it basically developed from your own experience. So again, growth from the valley for you and now it's a methodology that you've integrated into your business using with all your clients. Brilliant. I love it. 
I just think it's such a great example of things not working out, being in the valley, as you say. Yeah. And look what it taught me. It is the biggest business lesson I've ever had in so many ways, you know, turning something around that went really wrong, having to admit that I didn't have the answers, the experience of that with my team, coming together to help, you know, so many on so many fronts. Invaluable. And I and I love it because I find your personality to be magnetic. We are eternal optimists collectively. <laughs> yes. And it's like, okay, we're at a dead end. Guess we got a U-turn. Why not go down that road? Why not try this? It's it's part of that daily evolving that that I think both of both of us share in in how we look at our businesses and our lives. Okay, my last question is for our listeners. And this is for anybody out there who may be thinking about being an entrepreneur. Maybe they're early in their journey. Maybe they're seasoned like you were at the time of the body shop scenario. What advice would you give someone if they're stuck in the valley and they just don't know how to turn, which is basically how you felt when you returned to your team? What what advice could you give them to to move on if if they're kind of blindsided and just can't see their next step? Well, I can relate to that as I felt that way myself. So step one would be just know in your heart that you will get through this and there is a way forward. You just haven't found it just yet. My second advice would be chat to somebody who's been in a similar situation very often we can turn to to friends or family for advice, and that's brilliant. But if they haven't had your experience, it, I think it's more difficult for them to give advice that really resonates with you. So find somebody to chat to who's been in your place or similar, been in business, try and you know have some challenges. That would be my second advice. He said about it. And my third one would be don't compromise. Don't compromise on your goals when we are in that valley, it can be easy to give up. But don't believe in your goals, believe in you and continue to go after it. And, you know, find something that inspires you to to do that. It could be listening to a podcast. It could be a video. It could be anything. But keep, shed your time to be inspired and keep moving forward. Progress as well. Absolutely. And I I can't think of an entrepreneur that I haven't spoke to or an executive or a C-suite. We all have pockets of time that show up in our days, in our weeks, in our months, in our years. And there's always inspiration at our fingertips, like you said. There's certain podcasts that I love to listen to, or sometimes it's just getting away from my desk and getting outside. That's so true, Deb. There's nothing like a walk for me in the woods. I've got one close by. And, you know, it just lifts that spirit, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, it gives us time to, I always say, achieve equanimity. When we, when we can anchor back to that mental calmness and composure, it refreshes us. It's like refreshing our computer screen or refreshing our memory on our computer. Every once in a while, we need a little reset. And it doesn't have to be anything massive. You don't have to jump on a plane and travel across the world and go to a yoga or spiritual <laughs> retreat. A lot of times we just need to step away from the environment that we spend a lot of time in, especially given we're coming off the heels of all of us being home for so long. So I always love when my guests share 
that's the connectivity to all of us is we all need a little break once in a while. And it's nice to hear it from yet another guest on the show. Okay, I'm going to switch to my fab four. These are just four fun questions. We don't want you to think about them. We just want to know what's sitting on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. So first question, if I asked your family or your closest friends to describe Rebecca in one word, what would it be? I think it would be motivational. And the reason why I say that word is because I said to my daughter just the other day, if you could have anything of mine, she's not going to die, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. But what would you, what would you have? And uh, she said, your level of motivation. That's lovely. That's, that's one of the nicest things we can hear as parents. She didn't want the house. She, <laughs> she didn't want the car. It was my motivation. That's wonderful. Okay, second question. And this, just to put some context around this, this can be at any juncture in your life. Name a book that you've read and give us the title and the author if you can and tell us how it really impacted you after reading it. Oh, Deb, that is so easy. It is Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. There is absolutely no question about that. I read it in my early 20s after struggling to be an academic and recognizing that I wasn't and thinking that my whole life depended on my academic qualifications. And I read the book and I realized how far away that thought was from reality. And it just made me realize that it was my mindset that would make all the difference to my life. And that book continues to have a profound impact on my life. Well, there is something else that we have in common. I didn't read it, though, until I went to one of his seminars, and then I bought it. And I struggled with that till my mid-40s because I was in the middle of the university and my dad died. So I did go back to university eventually. But isn't it funny how we associate our worth and worthiness with such extrinsic things like initials after our name or a title or a stature or a beautiful sheet that has our roles and responsibilities, even being an entrepreneur. And that's so, so interesting. I'm not surprised we have something else in common. That's funny. <laughs> well, okay, third question. This is also one of my, my favorite questions to ask because I have had some du duplicates on the show. So again, I'll give you a little bit of context. I'm granting you a wish. And you get to have dinner with a leader of your choice. This leader may still be living or they may have passed away. Who are you having dinner with and what is the dinner conversation? Well, I think it would be Tony Robbins. And the conversation would be around mindset and reaching your absolute fullest potential. He is a force to be reckoned with. His energy is massive. Uh, I was in an arena watching him speak a few years ago, almost pre-COVID, and there was 10,000 people in the room, and I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. Just the stomping and the energy, and, and he's like this gentle giant. So I'm going to put that out there. I hope you have dinner with him. That's amazing. Well, 
Bring it on. Let's put it out there. <laughs> yes, let's put it out there. So before I close out the show, again, I have to give another shout out to LinkedIn for yet another beautiful female entrepreneur and now someone I could call a friend that has brought us together. And just know that I, I bask in your intelligence and your presence. I love reading your post. And I look forward to many more chats with you across the pond on this beautiful digital platform that we have called Zoom. Well, Deb, a big thank you to you. And it's completely mutual. And I'm going to ask you to close out the show by finishing my last question, which is finishing this sentence. Heart-centered leadership is? Being your authentic you, regardless of what's going on. Thanks for joining me today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed the show today and learned some new tools for your leadership from our amazing Heart-Centered guest. And if you like the show, we would welcome a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And we would love to have any comments or feedback at any time. And if you want some more Heart-Centered goodness, Head over to our daily blog, masteringtheheart.com.